Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. Oh, it's so easy though, you know what I mean? Here's the truth. John and Kaya love you guys so much. Man, you guys have such great pastors. This is such a great church. You know, it's fun. Even the Faith and Victory guys were down here and, and it just feels like home, you know? feels like I just don't even miss a step. Like I go, whenever I travel and I go preach places and my wife and I occasionally get a vacation, I never miss church. And, and I always go in and I'm looking for like, are these my people or are these not my people? And every time I come to the building, I'm like, man, these are my people. You know what I mean? I just feel loved and everything else. It's great. So I'm going to preach uh, in just a moment. I just want to tell you guys, like I am unbelievably hungry right now. Not, not, not for the Word of God. Like right now, I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch. Dude, like, and it's always like halfway through worship because I don't eat on Sundays because um, I want you guys to get to, uh, you know what I'm saying? So however long that I'm going, I want you guys to know that at the beginning, I was ravenously hungry. Like if you placed a sandwich right here right now, I'd be like, and then the... And then after that, the guard said, so if I go a couple minutes longer, like, man, when's he going to stop? We got to go to lunch. I didn't even want to start, okay? I, like, I am, like, just fine to, like, take an inventory, like, y'all love Jesus, y'all tithe, y'all serve. If we had 100%, let's go get us some lunch. But the truth is, I know we're not there, so we're going to preach. Amen. Father God, we ask today, God, that you would use this word to change us, challenge us, and convict us. God, we so desperately need you to speak into our lives. God, we pray that you would use this word to change us, to challenge us, and to convict us. God, we so desperately need your presence in our lives. God, we need you to speak to us. And so, Father, we're asking that you would do that today. Father, we praise you and thank you and glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said... Amen, amen. So you guys do me a favor. Would you stand up? Oh, sit down. All right. See, words are a really powerful thing. Did you notice, did you notice how just in a moment, I, like you guys are like, yes and no, and like that's how words are. Our whole life is a string of words. Uh, people have said that women speak a certain amount of words per day, and then men speak a certain amount of words per day, and then Pastor John speaks a certain amount of words per day. You know what I mean? Like people... People talk. That's what we do, right? Words are powerful. Um, today, I want to teach you the most powerful word in the world and in the Bible. And if you will learn this word, if you will memorize this word, it will change everything about your life. It's going to change your walk with God. It's going to change your relationship with your spouse. It's going to change your finances. There will not be one thing that will be different about your life if you would own, love, and memorize this word. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9 this morning. If you've uh, got your Bibles, you can turn with me. I think they'll end up magically on the screen behind us as well. I like to use my Bible, though. I like the feeling of the pages. Hallelujah. Watch this. You ready? This is the anointing from first service. You want to know how good it's going to be? That's how good it's going to be. Hallelujah. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. We'll be in verses 14 through 23. A uh, story about Jesus, and it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were, were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? 
And one of the crowd answers and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him, and then when they saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him in both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So what's happening in this story? Uh, There's a man, he's got a, a, a son, and he's got a mute spirit. But it's not so much that he has a mute spirit. It's that this mute spirit actually takes control over him. It tries to throw him in the fire. It tries to throw him in the water, basically doing everything that he can, uh, the demon doing everything that he can to kill this guy's son. And so they come to the disciples, and the disciples are like, Psh, wish we could help, can't help you. And so then they go to Jesus, and they say, hey, can you help us? And Jesus says, you know what? It's very possible for me to help you if you guys are willing to believe. What's interesting about the disciples in this story is that they had the knowledge. They had been commissioned. They had, they had uh, been sent by Jesus and had the power to overcome all demons and all principalities, but they didn't realize the power that they had inside of them. See, this word that I'm going to teach you, every single one of you have the power inside of you, you just don't even realize it. As a follower of Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus, you can only be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you with the fullness of who He is. The disconnect is not whether or not I've received it all, the disconnect is whether or not I've embraced it all. If you would embrace all of it, God would give it to you, amen? So this guy comes to Jesus, and here's the word, and it's in Mark chapter 9, verses uh, 22 through 23, and it says, And often he had thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That right there is the most powerful word in the Bible in the world, and the world is if. Would you say if, say if. It's just two letters, man. It's an I and an F. If you say it over and over, it starts to sound funny. If, 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 if. After this sermon, you will never hear, see this word if the same ever again. And I hope that you would appropriate it. I hope that you would take what God is going to speak to you about this word because it will change your life. If it's just a conjunction, it's introducing a conditional clause on the condition that, provided that, providing that, presuming that, supposing that, assuming that, as long as, given that, in the event that. See, in the Word of God, and and for those of you that read your Bibles know what I'm talking about, those of you that don't, start reading it, okay? When the Word of God has an if, it's an indication that there is a clause that is connected to the action of a party with another party to produce a desired result. That's what if does, right? Like if I say to John, like, hey, man, if I come over to your house, you can have something to eat. He's like, well, you got to come over to my house. I ain't going to bring it to you. If, right? Hey, man, if we get together, are we going to go see a movie? Hey, man, we got to get together. But yeah, let's, let's go see a movie. Whenever you see that word if in the Bible, it's no different. If is always dependent on a conditional clause. And a conditional clause means if you don't do something, then it will not happen. Does that make sense? 
The reason that if is such a powerful word in the Bible is that it's usually in a place where God and man join together in an agreement where if man would do something, then God will do something. And I'm going to let you know, it has been this way since the beginning of time. Some of you don't believe this or haven't seen this. I have been called as a preacher of God's holy word to just tell you what the word of God says. I'm trying to interpret it, but I can't make it say something that it doesn't. And a lot of times people get upset with me because all I do is tell you what the word says, and then they want to split hairs about it. They say, well, I wasn't taught to believe that. That's because you were listening to the words of man instead of the words of God. You put your faith in somebody else. And if you want to learn how I preach, it's really quite simple. I just tell you what the Bible says. I pack a few stories in there, yell at you a little bit, and then you just go home. If is a condition of your salvation. If is a condition of you getting to heaven. If is a condition of you receiving blessings. If is a condition of you staying away from curses. If is a condition of you being forgiven of your sin. Let's talk about the history of it, man. There's if in the Old Testament. This isn't like, it's funny, you guys have been reading your Bibles for years and you just glaze over it. If it's such a boring word that you want to get to the blessings and the power and the deliverance, but you skip over that little two-letter word. It's just, it's hidden everywhere. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? This is God, Yahweh, Jehovah God, talking to Cain. Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? Watch this, verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. This is thousands and thousands of years that God spoke to Cain and put a conditional clause within their relationship. He said, if you do this, it's going to go well for you. And if you do this, it's going to destroy you. God has always been in the if business. God told the nation of Israel in Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. God didn't say to the nation of Israel, Amen, if you'll just live however you want and do whatever you want and never worship me and never follow my precepts, I'm still going to bless you. Because I want the whole world to see that disobedience is what gets blessings. I want the whole world to see if you live against my word and you choose to live a different way, you're just going to be blessed anyway. So there's no benefits to serving me. That's not what God said at all. You know, it's funny. People want to argue with scripture. They, 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 people, this is what happens with people. They say, oh man, I love Jesus. I want to be a Christian. And they have a wonderful time at an altar or somewhere and they meet Jesus. And then they throw it all away. And then months, weeks, years later, they turn around and they're like, Hey, man, I don't understand. I thought serving God was supposed to be full of blessings. I'm like, yeah, man, but here's the problem. You hadn't been serving God. You met him, and you thought it was great, but it's kind of like marrying somebody at the altar and then leaving town and coming back years later and expecting to have a good marriage. Like, honestly. all through Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, 19, then it shall be if 
you by any means forget the Lord and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. This is God. This is your loving Jesus. Jesus is still in the Old Testament, man. Don't think for one second. You know what's so funny? I get so frustrated with people that want to hippify my Jesus and turn him and turn him into some flower like he's at Berkeley and he's putting roses. He's putting roses down the barrels of guns. Because he just loves people. <laughs> Puke. Are you kidding me? But that's what people think the picture of Jesus is. All he does is he just goes around and loves people. Love you. I'd never say anything to hurt you or to offend you. Live however you want. Just say you're my follower. I won't expect anything of you. Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I commanded you today to go after other gods which you have not known. These are the statements that are all over the Bible, man. In Deuteronomy 28, I love this, uh, I love this scripture. And the reason why I love this scripture is because I live for God. I, I, am, I am done apologizing for being a man that God can bless. Why should I have to apologize? And I don't, I don't mean that with an ounce of bravado, man. I do it with a humble heart of a pagan dog sinner that doesn't deserve a nothing, nothing. But I know that you, the same as me, if you would live under the precepts of God, you can receive the blessings of God. Not because you're good. You're a vile, nasty sinner. You deserve nothing. But if you would live under the precepts of God, you would receive the blessings of God. People look at my life and they say things like, man, it must be nice. I'm like, yeah, man, it's real nice. It's great. I love that I wake up in the morning and blessings chase me down. Why should I be upset, man? I read the manual. God said, live how I'm asking you to live and you will not be able to outrun my blessings. They will chase you down. Why would I not? And I went to public school is dumb enough to believe what it says. Now it shall come to pass, Deuteronomy 28, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be in the basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you in one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in all your storehouses and all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Whew! I believe every single one of those things. People say, man, do you have no money problems? No, I don't have money problems. People say, well, it's just because you're a pastor. You fleece the flock. Man, go to hell with your talk like that. 
fleece the flock. Come live in my house, man. I haven't wanted for anything since I got saved when I was 15. And, and, I'm a, and, I, and it's not because I'm good. I don't deserve anything that God gives me. It's just because I was dumb enough when I got saved that someone, and I, I literally, I got saved and I was like, what's next? And the dude, don't remember his name, never seen him again. He's like, go buy a Bible and then just highlight promises and then do what it says. And I was like, okay. And I was, I mean, I, I, I showed up to the old United Methodist Church where I was at after I got saved and I brought in my Bible and like, what are you doing with that in here? <laughs> you don't need to bring your Bible in here. Someone else will read it to you. Yeah, maybe. These promises of Scripture are all dependent on if. Now listen, I, I, I can appreciate that some of you have been taught that the plan of salvation for mankind is not dependent at all on man and that we are merely players in a great play that we have no control over. But if is a word of reality. It's real in your life. Kids, if you do your schoolwork, you will get good grades. If you do not do your schoolwork, you are going to get a low-paying job and never get ahead in life. If you graduate, you're going to have a better chance at having a good life. And if you don't, you're going to struggle. If you get a job, you will get money. And if you get married, you will have no money. <laughs> Listen, if the men can't amen that, I don't know what else I got for you, man. That you, that, that you should be like, amen, pastor, that's true. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying that we have ultimate control, nor am I even saying that we have control, because this isn't about us having control as much as it's about us relinquishing our control. The ifs of the Bible are about us giving up our control, giving up our power, giving up our status. Psalm 91, 9 through 10 says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. All of these are ifs, folks. And if you do not turn off your cell phone, I'm going to make an example out of you. And if it happens again, you're buying my lunch. Everybody's like, oh my God, turn off the phone. You better turn off that phone. God is a gentleman. He makes the opportunity for all people to come to him, and we must be involved in the process. I don't believe in any theology that says that God uh, had you born and then decided whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. I don't believe that at all. I believe the Bible makes it very clear. I set before you today life and death. And so God is, uh, is calling out to you saying, if you would listen to my word, then I will do this inside of your life. God isn't going to force you to do anything. He's going to open it up to you, and he's going to allow you to decide what you're going to do with it. Isaiah 1, 18 to 19, Come now and let us reason, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are like, though they are like red crimson, excuse me, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. See, here, here's the reality, man. So, some of y'all, you look at your life and you're like, why, why is it that I can't seem to get ahead? Why is it that my, my marriage is in the toilet and my finances are in the toilet? I keep having struggles at work. I don't have any friends. I can't seem to overcome these sins in my life. 
It's because of your neglect of the ifs. Because God puts these ifs before you in your life and you just choose to ignore them. You choose to, to, to just pretend that somehow you're going to be the outlier. You're going to be the one that's going to get blessed and live this great life even though you're living like the devil. Either God is watching or he's not. And if he is, then he always blesses faithfulness every single time. I mean, think about your life, man. Are any of the ifs of your life that aren't true? None of them. If you don't have sex before marriage, you won't have kids out of wedlock. I'm here all day. Okay. Do you know why I didn't have any STDs in my life? It's because I waited to have sex until I was married. And I've only been with one woman. Yeah. Amazing. You know, I, I take my kids to the doctor. I'm like, you got to give them this thing or else they're going to get this. And they're like, they ain't getting that because they're never going to do that until they get married. Well, that's really, that's backwards to think that way. Really? Is it? Because I don't think so at all. Yeah. If you never leave them alone with somebody of the opposite sex and you lock them in the basement, they ain't going nowhere. You know what's so funny? People think they can't control their kids. They can control their kids. Well, I don't know why we couldn't do anything about it. Dude, my son goes, he's 17, he has a car, and he goes nowhere with no one that I don't know what he's doing. But I got tracking software on him. I got spies. I do whatever I want. People be sending me pictures. Do you know where your son is? I'll be right there. I'll go. You're in control of your life, man. Don't believe it. If you don't show up for work, you will get fired. Nobody amends that. They're like, not on my job. If you, if you don't take care of your health, you have a higher chance of dying young. If you don't watch your spending, you will get in financial trouble. If you don't lock your doors, if you don't take care of your marriage, if you don't spend time with your kids, if you don't do your job, if you're not nice to people, if you get sucked into a Facebook argument. Just by a short, how many people are here this morning that got saved because of a Facebook argument? Don't not all at the same time. No, nobody's ever like, well, I was on Facebook, man, and these guys were arguing with me about stuff that didn't matter in politics in the world, and I thought, I want to know that, Jesus. I've been waiting for someone to just let me have it about some political matter that's been going on for hundreds of years that I have no control over. And I thought, I want to know that Savior. No one. No one. And if you keep doing that, man, you're going to stop being effective for the gospel. Everything in life is an if. And if you don't, then this. And if you do, then this. And if you're like me, man, I think about the ifs in my life, right? Uh, you guys don't know my story. So um, I was raised a poor black child. That's the beginning of my story. And uh, come on now. You guys ever seen The Jerk? Remember that movie? That's funny. Hey, man, they got, they got transgender. Can't they be transracial? That's, that's what John tells me. He said, Matt, it's fine. You're just transracial. You just don't know it yet. Come out. Be who you really are. 
quit hiding from your real self. <laughs> I, was, I, was raised, I was raised by a single mom, and um, I went to high school, and then I, by, I was blessed to be able to go to college. And I, and I think about my life sometimes, and I think, man, what if I didn't go to college? And then I'm like, well, if I hadn't gone to the college that I went to, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. And then I, I went into the U.S. Army, and in the U.S. Army, I met my wife, and we had two kids, and I went to Bosnia, I went to Egypt, and I got my degree, and but I just think like, man, what if I hadn't gone in the Army? Like, those ifs in your life matter. They're, they're, they are completely, like, will change the trajectory of everything in your life. And on the flip side, sometimes the things of my past, I think, man, if I wouldn't have done that. If I hadn't have gone there, if I hadn't have been with them. Now, the ifs in the New Testament, now listen, if it hasn't hurt yet, buckle up, because here it comes. Because watch this. The ifs, it's funny, the ifs of the Old Testament are more about blessings and curses, but watch this in the New Testament. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now listen, hey, if you're not paying attention to me, right up here, okay? Look at me. Pay attention. This is the moment where the the instructor hits their foot because it's going to be on the final exam, okay? If you are not forgiving people, God does not forgive you. Okay? That's what the Bible says. It's in red letters. It's what Jesus says. That means if there is an ounce of unforgiveness in your heart against another person, God says to you, you are now not forgiven of your sins because of your inability to forgive someone else of their sins. And someone would say, well, you know, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did to you because I know what you have done. You've transgressed the law of God. You are a vile sinner in need of a savior. God came down into your life and pulled you out of the depths and said, in spite of all your nastiness that you've done, thought, felt, and planned on, I'm still going to forgive you. I'm going to set you on a high place and make you the shining example of my righteousness. And then you're going to turn around and be the arbiter to withhold that forgiveness from somebody else, shame on you. Shame on you. You want to talk about a powerful if, you better start forgiving people of everything. If you do not forgive people, you should wonder if you are a Christian. And I mean that in the most literal sense possible. Like as I'm speaking about unforgiveness, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm filled with unforgiveness. And then I just said, you should wonder if, I'm a, if you're a Christian. Your next thought should be, am I a Christian? And, oh no, he's not going to tell me I'm not a Christian. But are you? Like if you, if you truly, truly understood what you had been forgiven from, how in God's name could you ever withhold forgiveness from someone else? How could you? See, see the reality is, is some of you think you're better than you are. I know my propensity for sin. I know it. I know it so deeply, I will never even share it with you. If, if, it's not even my actions if they were laid bare. If these thoughts were laid bare against humanity, John wouldn't even want to be my friend. No, my wife would leave me like, like, please, I need a witness. Can somebody tell me? Okay. I mean, who am I 
to withhold forgiveness from somebody. After God forgave me in spite of all of my nastiness. John 8, 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. How do you keep God's word? Do what it tells you to do. Amen, pastor, that's good. I'm like, do what it says. I'm like, I'm also thinking about whether or not I'm a Christian or not. All my life I thought I was saved, and then you just, whoo. Well, today's the day of salvation, man. Give your life to Jesus and be like, I'm never going to unforgive anybody ever again. Jesus said this in John 13, 35, by this all of Sue Soon and Fairfield will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Because the truth is, if we don't love each other, if the world looks at us and doesn't want to be a part of us. I mean, and, I, and John doesn't talk to me about this stuff, but I guarantee you there's some of you in here that harbor unforgiveness about, uh, 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 to people in this church. And so you hold it in your heart, you're like, I'm never working with them again, and, and I'm, I'm going to, and I have night, and I'm making Facebook posts about them. Uh, eh, eh. And the world comes in and goes, wow, this is just like it is at my work. And instead of coming in and being like, man, remember that time when we had that fight and, and we didn't get along and then we forgave each other? That was so great. You know, it's funny, uh, um, uh, Billy and Mark were telling me this story after first service. We're all down here on our little retreat, whatever, and they got in a fight this morning at the room because they're tired and they're away from their wives and they hadn't gotten here in a while, so they're kind of on edge, you know what I mean? And uh, so they were like, rah, 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 rah. And, then, uh, and then they were trying to forgive each other, and like, well, I'm not gonna, blah, 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 and then they came to church, and before service, they're like, man, I love you, and I forgive you, and I love you, and I forgive you, and they hug each other, and so then, so then I talked about forgiveness in first service, and they come up like, pastor, we're so glad we forgave each other before that sermon, man. It's like, man, if we wouldn't have, if we wouldn't have forgave each other, that would have hurt, but it didn't have to hurt, because they had already forgave each other. They're like, that's it, and usually it's over something stupid, you know what I mean? But even if it's something big, who cares? I love you more than I love the $100 that you owe me. I love you more than you forgot to pick me up. I love you more. I, I love you more even though you made fun of what I was wearing and called me fat. Like, I just, I don't care. Because I probably was, and the outfit probably was bad. You were walking in the truth. I was walking in deception. Jesus said in John 14, 15, you know, I'm just like John. If you all laugh, I'll give you more. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. We're just going to take longer to get to lunch. Like, they like the laughing. I'll give them more. All right, here we go. Back to you being a vile sinner. Let's go. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I'm just giving you a few of these from Jesus, but these are powerful. If being the most powerful word in the Bible means you should pay attention when you see it. Amen. Now, some of these scriptures, you guys have never seen these ones before, but they have the word if in them. So watch this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By which you are also saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. You notice he says that you're saved if you hold fast. If you don't hold fast, I love to read my Bible backwards. If he says you will be saved if you hold fast, that means if you don't hold fast, you 
won't be saved. 1 Corinthians 16, 22, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a lot of ifs, man, a ton of them. Now listen, that was my intro. Let's get into this sermon. All right. You notice I wasn't laughing. I'm in the spirit now, man. I'm just going to eat on the word. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 9, our story for today. And this is where, this is where the crux of, of this whole story is and where it, it just it hinges, it rests, and where all the power is. The guy goes to Jesus and he needs his son to be healed, right? And so what does he say to Jesus? If, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And so what does Jesus do? He flips it back on him. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. Do you notice that? Isn't that a really interesting power statement of if? Where the, guys go, the guy goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you can do anything. And Jesus pushes his back on him and says, if you can believe. Because God is looking for an opportunity to enter into relationship with man at this moment, right? The dependence on the blessing is dependent on the belief of the man. Now, this is such a precarious situation for this man. I mean, what can he do, right? Maybe he doesn't believe. Maybe he doesn't know what to believe. But I want you to understand this. Don't miss it. Stay with me. Get off your phones, okay? I am not saying that the power is inside of you. You are a, you are a nothing, okay? You're navel lint, okay? The, the, the only thing that we are is we are the shining example of God's righteousness as the Holy Spirit is inside of us, renewing us by His Spirit. This belief is not in your ability to muster up belief or your ability to muster up your own faith. I don't believe that kind of nonsense. This is about you getting outside of yourself and stepping into Christ and saying, He has the power. He's the one that's able to do it. Belief and faith is never the object of our worship. Faith is the effect of our belief, and the belief is in God's ability, not our ability to believe. We must believe in God's ability to do it. Amen? Now, inevitably from this scripture, some of you are already saying in your hearts, you're saying, well, what if I believe doesn't happen? What, what, if, what if I can't believe? What if something bad happens? And we've all had these situations in our life, right? I, I've never seen anybody come back from the dead yet when I pray for them. It's just, I pray and believe, but I ain't seen nobody pop up yet. Here's, here's what we need to do as Christians. We must put ourselves in the position of ultimate belief that says whatever God wants is His will and it's not our job to figure out the why. It's, our, it's just our job to believe. That's it. God didn't say it was your job to figure it out. There, there's nothing there in the Bible that says that. God never says, you know what, I'm hoping at night you'll lay in bed and not sleep because you're trying to figure it out. Not at all. You just go to bed and say, you know what, God knows, God understands it's his job. He can figure it out. Do you guys remember this story from Sunday school about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. So if you don't know the story, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the quick version of it. These guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was a king, and the king said, quit serving God or else I'm going to shove you in this fiery furnace. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, Psh, throw us in the furnace. We'll be fine. 
God's going to take care of us. And the king's like, all right, well, I'm going to throw you in the furnace, leave you in there, and then I'll come back, and then we'll see how powerful your God is. Now, it's so funny because in this day and age, we don't have things that happen like this. Uh, in our day and age, the, the, the act of courage in the world is, are you willing to check in on Facebook that you're at church? I mean, the, 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 our faith is built on people that jumped in furnaces and ran in front of lions and were willing to, you know, do crazy stuff for God. And we're like, hey, man, would you invite your friend to church? <sighs> Sounds like a lot, Pastor. So these guys go, and, and they're going to be thrown into this fire. They're standing before the king. And there's this verse here that I love that is such a powerful if, man. And I want you to hold on to this one. I want you to remember it. But they said in Daniel 3.18, talking about God, throw, uh, talking about God, if they're thrown into the fire and whether or not they would be safe, the guy said this. They said, but even if he doesn't, they're fixing to go into the furnace. Are you going to live? Are you going to die? And they stand before the king and they're like, listen up, man. Even if he doesn't, we are not going to serve your false gods. Even if he doesn't, we are not going to live the way that you're telling us to live. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Sometimes the faith walk is just even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. You can't live in it. Well, only if he does. No, the if then is on you, not on God. The if then is on you, not on God. God didn't say, well, put me to the test, except in tithing. But other than that, the test is on you. There's so many ifs in your life. Here's, here's the end. We're going to circle the plane. We're going to land it, okay? Because these are the many ifs in your life. And this is what you can get from this sermon if you would apply it. Watch this. This is groundbreaking stuff. This will change your life. You can influence your Christian life if you do what the Bible says. That's good, Pastor. There are many parts in your Christian walk that are ifs. You get them in the right place and quit wondering on the if. Just live in the if, man. Be faithful. Follow the word. Follow what, what you're being taught. Follow your pastors. I, want, I, I would love to come here next year. I come about once a year. I would love to come next year and have you be like, you know what, man? I've been doing everything the Bible says every day. I'm in church every time the doors are open. I come Tuesdays. I come Sundays. I serve. And my life has never been worse. How dare you tell me this? I'll bet my life on it. It will not be the case, man. You do not have to worry about the ifs of your past if you have repented. God has forgiven you. You are not your past. You are not that one night, that one week, that one month. That's not you anymore. God has redeemed you. He has set you free. You are a new creation in Christ. You do not have to beat yourself up about the ifs in your past any longer if you have repented of them. It's a lie from the pit of hell, man. Do not let Satan beat you up about your pasts. You don't have to think, what if I haven't done this? Because God has already forgiven you of it. You don't have to worry about your future 
if you give your life to Jesus. You don't have to worry about your salvation. If you live in the ifs, you can rest assured. Some people say, man, Matt, why are you so confident? Because I know where I'm going. I know that I've been forgiven. I know what I've been set free from. And you can see God do miraculous things if you believe. And I'm not going to argue with you about what if he doesn't, because what if he does? Hallelujah, what if he does? Then you have a great Facebook post and all your friends will come to church. Hallelujah. I just want to leave you with this this morning. If there is something that you're hoping for God to move in, you can see him move. Because everything is possible for him who believes if. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.